All right, you're listening to Fanatsu and the United Respectives podcast. This is your host, Manny Cruz. I have no idea why I introduced myself like that. Um, yeah, if you're listening, you've probably already been listening to either show. Um, or if by chance you are a new listener and you're unfamiliar with me, then uh, welcome to you. And um, I hope you enjoy. Um this episode uh, features my good friend Metallic Sindalu. Um, invited him over to the house uh, to record. Um, you know, really just touch base. It's been a while. Haven't seen him since before I left to New York with the Independent Guahan delegation. And um, we go through things like uh, false progressivism and uh, white supremacy, fascism, anti fascism. Um, mainstream media um all sorts of stuff um if you've listened to the uh the other fanatsu episodes with uh our good friend then you're you're familiar with his politics you're familiar with um you know our chemistry and the the sort of um the conversations we're, we're prone to have to, prone to having um so yeah a really smart dude very worldly very open-minded um very knowledgeable um yeah so um here's the plan i am going to play out this intro with uh the song uh, nazi punks fuck off which we reference in the in the episode and you'll find out why but um yeah i think um it, it says a lot about how we we um mislead ourselves uh some of us who choose to um, to speak out in the media or maybe even in social media? Um, you know, we we want to push the, these uh, what we call our opinions um, when we have. I don't even know why I'm saying we, because there's a lot of people in the movement um, who are especially educated on these on these topics, but. Uh, what's what's disconcerting is when people when when um local celebrities or um people who write in um with opinion columns um who people suspect to be uh some sort of uh, experts in their field even though they have no uh no standing for that um when they push the these ideals and and they claim to be to be progressive and forward thinking but really um when you're speaking out against decolonization you're maintaining the current power structure and you're not rebelling at all you're not being progressive at all if you're refusing to engage with a decolonial discourse and um you know by uh, promoting a status quo mentality there's nothing progressive about what you're doing and i think um this song definitely speaks to that um so yeah uh quick business you can contribute to the native perspectives podcast via the patreon page uh, patreon.com slash native perspectives i'll put the link in the description and um i'll also upload it on uh, facebook so yeah for as little as a dollar a month you can contribute to the podcast to the blog and any other uh, creative projects that uh, we have going on. Um, really what it's about is third-party media, independent media, um, with perspectives that the mainstream mainstream media, mainstream discourse, has an interest in silencing and suppressing. So if you support independent media and uh, alternative perspectives, indigenous perspectives, then uh, please show some love via the Patreon page. Uh, you can also contribute by um, giving us a, a rating on iTunes, if you're listening on iTunes, um, following the SoundCloud, um, and uh, sharing the Facebook page. The, that is all, those are all uh, also greatly appreciated. So, yeah, much love. Thank you. This is a song that a lot of people are real pissed off at us about. We, we ain't preaching, but this is our opinion. Everybody's got a right to free speech. And this song 
It's about the fucking rednecks and the fucking jocks who bring in their bullshit macho attitudes to these shows. Try to wreck them by starting fights, spreading around their bullshit racist attitudes. If you really like the swastika so much, go join the clan like your parents. If you're no different from your parents, then what are you rebelling against anyway? You're fitting in. Nazi redneck assholes, fuck off. So this is a uh, Fanatsu X uh, Native Perspectives podcast with none other than Metallic Sindalu. Welcome. Hopefully. What's good? Yeah. And uh, for the first time, we are recording live from my studio. Okay, it's just, it's a living room. And uh, he just pointed out my copy of... Um, Ayn Rand is that how you pronounce her name? Ayn Rand. Ayn Rand. See, I I say Ayn, but ain't no big deal, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, dude, I tried going through this, man. I only got to page uh, fourteen, and it's just so dry. It's so hard to read, and I don't agree with already don't agree with a lot of things that she's saying there but well, i mean why not? <laughs> can you give us the give us a scoop i mean and for those of you who uh, i mean this is only episode number four of native perspectives but i mean our fanatsu um fans are familiar with with you and your politics uh, to an extent uh but can you give us a scoop on uh on ayn rand uh i mean what 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 scoop do you want well so she's uh she um, is an advocate of uh, capitalism. Uh, yes, staunch advocate of capitalism. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the individual in the market. Um, that's, uh, you know, I don't like capitalism, so I, I can't really get very much into Ayn Rand's uh, ideas about capitalism because I just stayed really far away from it. Mm-hmm. But as far as Ayn Rand's, uh, like, ideas for objectivism, which is very racist, <laughs> mm-hmm. or um, just how much of a misanthrope she was like mm-hmm. um which it's actually really funny kind of how she's like this really beloved character in a lot of like uh right-wing circles uh because she was such a staunch capitalist because she you know wanted to commodify everything um but at the same time like she was really really pro-life or i mean pro uh pro-choice i'm sorry mm-hmm. um she advocated for like a lot of like uh, abortion and stuff because she thought it was a way to call out uh, certain undesirables <laughs> so basically like yeah abortion's great because it'll eliminate all these poor people and problematic you know minorities and people of color and stuff so yeah there's that <laughs> i'm really distracted by what's going on yeah my, my bad dude i was just trying to get some light in here and i was like what's going on it's also it's weird that we're like hunched over the mics on my coffee table i'm all right with it yeah makes it's me like... feel like i'm trade off craigslist <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i mean like i don't know man that, that brings me to i guess like where my mind's at right now with um I'm like this close to writing a Native Perspectives article on like a false uh, progressivism. And um, I think, you know, where I'm going with this is 
you have people like uh, Julius Santos who like go on Facebook Live and they uh, are advocating against things like decolonization and the buildup without really um, informing themselves and without um, without an, an educational basis for for their stance, you know. Mm. Um, so, but at the same time, he he's doing all of this from um, Copy Slut. Are you familiar with uh, that new? Uh, I'm familiar with the establishment. Yeah, yeah, Copy Slut. So I mean, like, there's this false progressivism by by posting up in the in this uh, coffee shop called Copy Slut. Ooh, we're progressive. We're you know we're racy. Use the word slut. Yeah, we use the word slut. Ooh, yeah. But at the same time, like, they're preaching these, like, ultra-conservative ideals that uh, they uh, they protect the the hegemony, you know? Mm -hmm. They protect the dominant discourse. And they're not challenging anything. And it's so so odd. Like, people who you would think would... um, uh, be advocates of of open mindedness and uh, an actual progressive uh, political and social ideas and mm-hmm. ideologies. Um, they they take up the, this false progressivism again, like the, this this term that I'm using, um, to you know to to push their agenda. Mm-hmm. And it, it's I don't know if they're conscious of it. Um, and you know I feel like they people only think of things through an American um, oh, you know yeah, dichotomy. Absolutely. So I mean, what are what are your and I, I guess uh, what your your thoughts on on Ayn Rand um, brought me back to that because she's a woman, mm-hmm. um, one, and um, you know she was she was a pro choice advocate as you <laughs> yeah. say, yeah. But I mean at the same time she's uh, she is in full support of exploitation of mm-hmm. labor, and um, you know and capitalism. She also and, hates feminism. <laughs> Yeah. So I mean, what the what the fuck? I mean, how do how can people wrap their their minds around um, these ideas and these concepts? And uh, looking past, like, I don't know, the, these thin veils of uh, of progressivism, and to 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 see things at face value. Yeah, I think um, at the heart of it is an issue of semantics. So merely what somebody considers progressivism uh, will vary greatly according to their own personal ideologies and their own personal histories. Um, And obviously within a state's history as well, within a nation or within a group of people, like there's context, period. Like just context decides these things like completely. So um, I think that the take uh, that you're talking about is often seen as progressive within the American structure, the American political structure, and under the context of what is uh, the American ideological experience. And that's that anything that is center or left liberal um, is still progressive. Um, You know, uh, so really like within that framework within like the the american ideological framework unless you're absolutely a right wing and i'm going to say liberal because because it's it's liberalism total like the idea the political philosophy is liberalism as given through the enlightenment um so like uh democracy capital like individual rights all those things this is part of liberalism so even conservatives within the american political framework like people think they're conservatives or that they're liberals. Conservatives are actually right liberals. They're, they're liberals. Um, they're all liberals. So having like kind of this idea, like being steeped completely in liberalism and having this idea that if you're left liberal or center liberal, that you're more progressive than the right liberals um, and seeing them as different things ideologically, um, people, people can develop this idea that they're progressives. Um, and it, it gets pushed a lot in in the united states um you know a lot of people see themselves that way they're they're left liberals and and centrists and they see themselves as progressive in comparison to their Mm -hmm. right liberal counterparts but they often are at odds because they're liberals against people that aren't so you know that includes all sorts of right-wing folks you know third positionist fascists etc but it includes all the left-wing folks too like so socialists social democrats uh you know, communists, anarchists. Um, so when you're coming from the experience of being more left-leaning, so if you're out of the liberal framework and say you're a socialist or a social democrat, you're going to see 
liberals as being less progressive because they are essentially advocating for the same systemic uh, situation that right liberals are. They just want more rights for certain demographics. Mm-hmm. So um, I think the line that gets told a lot with centrist liberals and even left liberals is simply that um, everybody should be equal, period, under this same framework. So they're not interested in decolonizing because what they want is equality within the same colonial system. They want to keep the capitalist colonial system in place. They just want it more accessible for people that it's traditionally not been accessible for. Mm. So they think they're being progressive because they've got this pursuit for equality or yeah. or they think that everybody should be on the same field and this gets translated into other you know uh rhetoric as well even on the right where they say privilege doesn't exist because we're all at this place now like post-racial or post-gender or whatever where we can say everybody has the same opportunities and that it's all on merit mm-hmm. um and that gets to- that same line gets towed by centrists and even to a large extent by left liberals when they feel that their um, identity is being challenged, like that their privilege is coming into question. You see it a lot with white liberals. Um, so, I mean, that's that's really what's at the heart of it is where people are coming from ideologically, the context of both their culture and their personal experiences so somebody sitting in coffee slut saying all this stuff would still think of themselves as a progressive within Mm -hmm. you know their experience within their framework um but standing outside of that you can see pretty plainly that it's it's not progressive it's kind of just uh wanting to restructure the same old system to where people feel more comfortable within it Mm. yeah so I guess what what needs to happen is a, a total um, a recentering of of Guam political and social ideologies. Really, yeah. we need to redefine for ourselves. Like, you know, we we need to establish our own lines that yeah. aren't that isn't based off of uh, you know uh, pre existing American ideologies. Um, yeah, man. I, how do we? I don't know. Like what's the what's the first step really i feel like we we're we're taking it already with the with independent guahan reestablishing the the guidelines um at the same time though um i i just found out like uh the guam daily post uh hired uh kevin kerrigan so he's he's a he's a long time like a media guy like he i think he he was in radio broadcast for for decades and like he um took a break and went over to the Guam Regional Medical City, mm-hmm. the the private hospital, as um like a public affairs guy. Okay. And they they just hired him as a like a chief editor or some shit. But I mean like for for months, um like women have been in charge of that organization. People like Mindy Uggen and uh Gaynor um Delano. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I feel like they want to believe that that they're they're pushing the envelope they're they're being edgy they're being progressive all these strong women in charge and um you know we're 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 definitely not like the pacific daily news we have a different uh we have a different take on things uh you know we're the new kid on the block but um they like for a long time their ideas and and their agenda has been uh conservatism and uh, it's almost like there's this uh, this split identity with uh, their editors. Like, <laughs> they have this, like, schizophrenic, um, like, second personality um, that happens to be an old white dude. <laughs> but <laughs> now they have an actual old white dude on the staff. And, um, you know, like, the same week that I found out, like, uh, they hired uh, Kevin Kerrigan. They came out with that stupid poll. And I think it's still up right now, actually. It's, uh, do you support a, a uh, native-only uh, plebiscite vote? Oh, and, like, we've been, we've been talking about this shit for the past, <laughs> like, year or two, man. Like, pick up a fucking book. <laughs> and I can say that now because I picked up my last check from them <laughs> uh, last week. So it's free. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, seriously. I mean... If you're gonna talk about these things, like please, like try to engage with uh, some like decolonial discourse, and like don't just let, like stop letting these like old white dudes um, with a, a capital, with an agenda, um, with a, with self-interest in 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 capital, 
uh, or power preservation, like stop letting them run the show and um, dictating, you know, what what standards we need to meet, you know, like, come on, like, let, let's look past that. And that that's that's my that's my my perspective on that. I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh man, I don't know. I you know me, um, typically with media in general, I don't really see a lot for me there. Um, yeah, that poll just shows how out of touch they are with the discourse surrounding it. Like mm-hmm. to think that now is the time we're going to give this poll and get accurate information yeah, and yeah. to not like, to not look at it from any other angle whatsoever either. Mm. I don't know. Just, yeah. And it's like, I don't know, like they still haven't wrapped their heads around the idea of like restorative, um, yeah. you know, uh, justice and indigenous rights. And then that still does not exist to them. Um, and you know mm-hmm. i don't know maybe they're not seeing the the lines and and the parallels with like uh native american mm-hmm. um like the 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 countless wrongs done to the native americans you know yeah and like the the total erasure that takes place in in uh, mainstream discourse you know yeah i mean let's also not forget in in the u.s i mean no matter how people want to frame it like uh Native American peoples are pretty well despised, honestly, um, especially when they speak out against things that have happened in the past. Uh, the way a lot of Americans like to remember, and I say remember, like, because they, they act as if Native peoples are not an active living people. Uh, they remember Native people, even even on the, the uh, left and centrist liberal end of things, as, as a tragedy that shouldn't happen again. Um, but it's in the past that's how they like to treat these things it's just let's move forward that's their idea of progress is just to silence and to like make it seem like all wrongs have been already given their right you know um in the fact that oh you exist or the ever uh, popular you have casinos which isn't true across the board and it shows that they don't understand how those things work Mm. um i mean just i don't want to get into it too much but just an example like you know, it's not the tribes that always own these casinos. It's usually outside interest groups and they end up hiring people with the casinos and yeah. they'll like give a dividend and then they break it up into per cap and it doesn't actually end up being all that much. Mm. <laughs> um, but that's not even every tribe, you know, not every tribe has a casino. Um, let's, let's also talk about how not every tribe is even recognized by the U.S. government. Um, so, and and plus, like, is it really a consolation to be like, hey, you have a single building that makes some, generates some income, some capital versus, hey, you lost all this land and mm-hmm. you lost your life way and your language and tons of, like, so many of you were killed, you yeah. know, and raped and you've experienced and still are experiencing the consequences of that trauma through, you know, just being passed down generation to generation. And then they dress it up as like statistics that you have a problem that you are doing all this stuff because, and that's not to remove agency from people, but like, like it's somehow inherent in them, you know, like the, the whole yarn about natives are drunks, you Mm -hmm. know, they all beat each other and like sleep with their children. And that's what they say, like, because they have these statistics without ever considering that this is like generational trauma that's being passed down, that people psychologically have been affected by the colonial experience to the point where that's normalized in their communities. Um, And, you know, it also takes away a spotlight away from the many native people that are doing things to restore their communities and to combat those things. Instead, it's like welfare is helping them out or the U S government sends in the psychologists to do this or some, you know, white sociology students out there taking stats, trying to change things. It, it doesn't, it, it discounts everything that happens within the native community. Mm. So yeah, like, uh, of course here too. I mean, honestly, that's how they're going to treat us. That's how they do treat us. They're going to, uh, to try and invisibilize our own movements and our own efforts to improve our communities and to face what colonialism has done and, you know, direct everything toward what the American government does or will do or, you know, what we need to do to further assimilate into the American world, the American lifestyle, the American culture in order to better ourselves. Um, that's just 
the focus, you know, where the, their false progressivism, as you're saying, is, is not to restore things to us. It's not to help us to heal um, or to gain back what we lost. It's for us to become more like them so we can just forget. That's it. That's mm-hmm. what they want. You know, if we forget, then maybe, you know, we can just deny it ever happened and we'll be happy. We'll have our stuff. We'll go to school. We'll have our job. You know, we'll fly our flag and we'll stand, not kneel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like we'll just be just like them because they're so happy. (laughs) You know, that's that's exactly what it is. The progressivism that they're 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 putting out there is not Mm -hmm. it's not about us it's about us becoming them and we could totally become them like but there there is a a lot of um things that we'll have to give up in in the process one being land your identity um you're more than welcome to move to the states uh, make a new life for yourself um but when your kids are growing up in in school and they're asking you oh where where are you from what what who are you what is your identity and you know you have no one to blame but yourself if if you don't when your kids don't have an answer for that, you know, and like, you know, you're, I don't know, dude. Like, I want to, <laughs> let's also talk about how in the U S um, cause I have plenty of experience with this. Um, if you are not a white American, uh, white Americans expect you to have an identity. Mm. Um, they expect you to have some sort of, I, I don't know if it's exoticization or if they just expect everyone who's not white to, be a a foreigner essentially you know you're a foreign immigrant um which is funny because you know european peoples are not from the americas yeah yeah. anyway um so if you say you don't know or that you're just american they they pity you or they Mm -hmm. think you're weird or you know they it's it's like that uh was that the question where are you from yeah and if you're born and raised in say Sacramento or Detroit or something, and you say that's where you're from, they're like, yeah, but where are you really from? Yeah, yeah. Because they want to know where you, your your skin color is from, where your eye features are from. They want to know where your last name came from, mm-hmm. you know? And if you fully assimilate, really, like, they'll just think that you're weird and sad, and, mm-hmm. you know, they'll they'll not really actually still want anything to do with you. Yeah. And then that's, that's not a, to mention all the numerous roadblocks that are in the way to actually fully assimilating. Cause if you're dark skin, the truth is, is you will never really be a hundred percent accepted into that. That's yeah. just how it is. You can escape your social class, but you can never escape your non-whiteness. Right. Yeah. That's absolutely the truth. Um, yeah, and uh, I think here part of that false progressivism yeah. really touts the line that uh, we're not different, mm-hmm. um, and that's you know that's uh, all the bad differences. Yeah, like the the false differences that they've created for us. You know, us being you know overly primitive and savage and you know stupid or something lazy, all that. But it also gets rid of all the the very real differences like hey you're darker or (laughs) the good differences like hey these uh cultural aspects that aren't present in the u.s are here like in afamalic and our focus on families and stuff like it's just not there over there Mm -hmm. um but uh man where was i going with this oh shoot i I got lost yeah we're we're just rambling man (laughs) but uh no um oh shoot no i was gonna say like um yeah, you, you just, you can't escape that, really. Mm-hmm. Um, who you are, like, it's worn on your face over there. But, uh, shoot, I was really going somewhere with that. Yeah. That's okay. It, it'll Maybe it'll come back. back. It'll come back to you, man. But I can't help but think of, like, um, I, have a, I have a cousin um, in Texas right now. And, uh, you know, I sort of see, I see his life as he presents it through social media. Um, yeah. He seems happy, you know, uh, he's raising his family out there and all that stuff. And I, I can't help but think, I mean, I mean, cause like, I'm not just talking shit here. I mean, like I moved off Guam, um, when I was mm, 10 years old, I lived in California for five years. And then, uh, even after that, I was among a military community in Okinawa in Germany, um, for like a couple of years after that, before I came back home. But I mean, like, so I, I sort of have my own like life experiences in diaspora and like just, you know, seeing that. And, um, 
I don't know. Like, can you ever, can you ever stop being like just a oh the, that family um, that's not from here that that brown family, you know the ones that um they're not Mexican but they're brown. Um, <laughs> they're they're from some like Pacific island. I don't know something like uh, Hawaii. I mean, you watch Moana, right? Like, do you ever escape oh. that? Can you can you ever escape that? You know, honestly, no. like you can you can build up um these walls around you and uh you can um you can have your 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 friends and um your barbecue your i'm sorry your grill outs on the weekend and uh you know you can build a a nice life for yourself but do you ever stop being those brown people the other yeah the other yeah you never stop i guess that that was a i remember the point i was trying to make and got lost in talking um was that here i've experienced where people don't really understand like brazen racism that still exists in the u.s yeah and i don't know if it's because people typically in the u.s like people of color live in communities with people of color um that's just usually how it goes like you're in a pocket in an urban area with other people of color um you don't really live in rural white places or even cities where there's lots and lots of white people it doesn't usually happen Mm. um but i don't know like it's it is crazy racist over there and it's amazing to me like how um unaware of it uh people really are yeah like um just everything that's been going on politically over there with all this like alt-right stuff and like the rising white nationalist movement um like those people it's easy to see them as like these small groups of extremists that exist like in the fringe but the truth is is like there's a lot of people that ideologically agree with them um, or in certain ways agree with them, but distance themselves from labels or distance themselves from uh, the ideology total because, you know, it's so vilified in education or whatever. Um, But they agree with it and they start to try and reimagine and reframe these ideas so it seems more acceptable. Um, You can see that in the rebranding of like... Mm. uh, certain alt-right groups to move away from explicitly fascist imagery. Yeah. Um, Like, was it the American Vanguard, I think? Mm -hmm. Um, They're, shoot, I forget their name now, the New Patriots or something. Yeah. Um, And they've they've gone on, on record, I think Richard Spencer even said, that there's no point in using the German war flag, the, the Nazi banner, because they can just use the American flag because it means the same thing. Yeah. That's word for word. Like it means the same thing. That's right. Yeah. So America, <laughs> America has never been, um, a non-white. It, America has always been a white America. That's always Absolutely. what it's been as a nation, as a nation state. America has always been a white America. Um, American ideals. They, they preserve, um, this, uh, social, and um economical political dominance um you know colonization is a a white supremacist idea and ideology you know yeah so yeah yeah it's it's very telling um that these non-white or non-racist white folks uh, in america and i'm sure there's somebody listening i was like oh these guys hate white people (laughs) (laughs) which is actually honestly like total garbage so don't even come at me with that but uh yeah these non-racist supposedly white folks are terrified of what will happen to american culture and society when brown people become the majority Mm -hmm. which is something that's you know slated to happen like brown folks through mixed race through incoming immigrations are going to outnumber white folks in the u.s and they're terrified that it's going to destroy America mm-hmm. just because they're there. Honestly, does that sound like multiculturalism to you? Does that sound like the ideological multiculturalism that gets pushed in American schools, in our own schools, in education? They say this all the time, yeah. melting pot, right? That's not the melting pot. Mm-hmm. If you're terrified that the mixture is going to be a little too brown and that's going to destroy America, then that's not multiculturalism yeah yeah that's assimilating people into an anglo-american idea of multiculturalism as long as people accept an anglo-american value and 
do Anglo-American things. Um, I mean, that points to us specifically. I mean, the insular cases, Mm -hmm. you know, we're alien races. Uh, We're unfamiliar with Anglo-American values, you know, Anglo values. That's why we weren't included in, (laughs) you know, our own decision making. And like you said, (laughs) insular cases, like uh, Metallic's not just making that shit up. Like it actually says that it's written in uh, in reference law and all of that stuff. And it says anglo values yeah english that for those that don't know anglo yep so fuck man ah i don't know <laughs> yeah so i i want to i want to touch on that a little bit more um so even even when um non-whites are uh the majority you know uh th- white dominance um, is still maintained. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at let's look um, for a second at at the the local the the colonial framework. I mean, yes. Um, there are only like I guess according to the 2010 census um, statistics, seven uh, percent uh, Caucasian. Um, you know, a, a Caucasian population here on Guam, thirty six percent or something Chamorro. Um, and, um, outside of that, there are other, uh, non-white, um, ethnicities. Um, but yeah. And yet, uh, even with only a 7% makeup, like who are the people who are, are coming out and, uh, preaching against, um, you know, an uplifting of, of Chamorro rights and stuff. Like who are the most outspoken, uh, members in, in our, in public discourse? Who do we allow, um, into mainstream discourse and uh, you know who 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 are we following behind our, our leaders and stuff you know yeah so yeah it's absolutely true and then just look around too who's uh, who's running things yeah who are the bosses who are the professionals who's <laughs> teaching <Lee> Weber <laughs> infection <laughs> you know yeah. um, if that if the population is that small and they take up that much space and authority I mean that says something as well yeah yeah fuck you know what i don't know i think i think if we upload on this if we upload this on fanatsu we might burn a lot of bridges <laughs> but, uh, I'll, I'll let you decide about so that. this might be like a native perspective exclusive um but yeah man well let's take a break from all that stuff because that we could talk about that shit all day yeah, um, I've, I've I've made a headway into um, the um, anti-fascism or sorry the Antifa handbook. Oh yeah, okay. and um, like a lot of the stuff uh, that that we just spoke about really resonated with me um, because they're they're point they're talking points in the book and especially um, making uh, white supremacy more palatable. That's something that that's oh, occurred yeah. in in uh, many places at many times. Um, the French National Front. Um, yeah, Nouveau Droit yeah yeah in uh, in england in germany um all these places across europe um this is nothing new man and uh they they put on like their their sports jackets and their ties they their slicked back hair and shit um Mm -hmm. but it's all it's the same ideology you know and this is a long fight that uh, anti-fascists have have uh been engaged in yeah and um i don't know I feel like um, I don't know what what if there was like an Antifa chapter or an, an anti-fascist organization here on Guam. Do you think it's time for that? And how do we how do we um, how do we make it so it's not some group of like white savior dudes who are like ah oh, smash fascism and uh, yeah, you know, yeah. natives. And- well, I think that that's pretty easy to avoid uh-huh. since uh, a lot of the white folks on island wouldn't probably uh want to be affiliated with that oh, that's true yes. especially with the particular media coverage these days on uh, anti-fascists mm-hmm. um but i think that a really big thing a really important aspect of that is to realize that anti-fascism and decolonization are are can be and are one and the same yes um so for us as people that want to decolonize we are going to be anti-fascists i mean mm-hmm. that's just the experience. I mean, unless, of course, your idea of decolonization includes establishing a fascist Chamorro state, <laughs> in which case you're probably not down with us, even though you're not down with white supremacy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's also something, honestly, I would talk to you about. Mm-hmm. I would meet you. Um, if you're a Chamorro nationalist who 
is into more of those kinds of like right-leaning political philosophies, honestly, I would talk to you, mm -hmm. but I would not talk to a white nationalist. And the reason being is that uh, indigenous nationalism mm -hmm. is something that is very different than state nationalism, different than white nationalism. These are not things that are the same. Hell, state nationalism and white nationalism aren't even the same thing. Mm -hmm. So it's important to note that. Uh, but like I said, I, I really honestly think that any decolonial movement is an anti-fascist movement mm -hmm. um, because we've seen you know, the power inequity. We've seen what it's like, we experience it to live in the margins. <laughs> mm -hmm. So if you're a fascist, if you support fascists, you are supporting somebody being in the margins. Um, and it's like this really common, like left leaning slogan. I forget who said it first, you know, the long line where like first they came for the Catholics and then they mm -hmm. came for the blacks and then the gays and the Jews. Yeah. And they said nothing until they came for them. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's like that whole yarn. It's like, uh, you support it or you're complicit or you're quiet until it's you, but you don't have to wait till then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so putting someone in the margins is essentially putting yourself in the margins. Um, mm -hmm. so that, that's the unified to me, like the decolonial movement should be unified against fascism. Yes. Um, but I don't know, that's probably like a way bigger topic and I'm being very reductionist. Oh, yeah. Um, maybe you're right. Yeah. But, um, I really do think that, um, here on Guam in particular, that we would be anti-fascists in what we understand within American context. Mm -hmm. um, so fascism in the U.S. Uh, is definitely in support of white supremacism. Um, and it doesn't matter whether a person is a person of color and they're supporting fascism in the U.S. because they still support white supremacism. And that's because white supremacy is the foundation of the nation. Um, when it's built on that, when that's the power structure, um, it doesn't matter, you know, whether they're preaching separatism or some sort of equality, like it's still founded on a white supremacy. Mm -hmm. um, the power is not balanced. Uh, it does go in favor of, of white Americans. And, you know, I, I see this with uh, like Proud Boys, with the, the alt-rights uh, foot soldiers. There's people of color that I've seen in those groups, particularly there's this uh, Samoan guy who goes by Tiny. What? Um, yeah, and he is very adamant about, you know, loving Western civilization, loving America, not seeing it as a white supremacy issue. Mm -hmm. um, but he's surrounded by white supremacists who gladly accept him because he becomes their tokenized person of color who will fight people for them. Um, but it goes to show that you really don't have to be white in order to support it. And honestly, even to be accepted by it. But ultimately, it would still be a, a nation where white people are empowered more than others. That's just what they're going for. And some of them are more explicit about it than others. Um, God, I wish I knew where I was going right now. <laughs> but essentially, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Within the American context, as we have been colonized by America, if we're against fascism, we're against white supremacy. If you're against white supremacy, you're against fascism. That's just how it works. Mm. Um, so be here within a decolonial movement, of course, we're against white supremacy. White supremacy is what put us in this place. You know, white supremacy created colonialism globally. Um, so, yeah, if you're against white supremacy, you're against American fascism and you're for decolonization. Mm -hmm. So if you're for decolonization here, yeah, you're going to stand with any anti-fascist against American fascism. Yeah. There's a couple things that um, I wanted to pick up on um, just off of um, what, what we just mentioned. One is uh, the idea that an anti-fascist movement here on Guam um, wouldn't be, uh, uh, you know, made up of white white savior types and stuff. Um, and with that, I wanted to touch on like just just the the, the demographics of um, militarization um, and military recruitment in the United States. Another thing I wanted to talk about was. Um, and I'm telling you this so so you can remind me. But um, the other thing I wanted to talk about too, we'll see now. Fuck, I forgot. So I guess it's just that one thing. But <laughs> but before we we touch on that, I wanted to show you um, uh, Gavin McInnes. Are you familiar? Yes, I'm familiar with yeah. the founder of the Proud Boys Proud and Boys. former founder of Vice, co-founder yeah. and owner of Vice. 
So he has he has these uh, ads. He has these ads up on uh, Instagram right now for a new show, um, where he talks about. Uh, Right. You can you can watch this for a sec, but um. So he has his new show where he talks about uh, conservatism being the new punk rock, and it, it's like an anti, it's like an anti-left uh, uh, internet broadcast show, and it, it's I don't know, man. It's it's weird, like again, like false progressivism, and uh, maybe even Leslie um, um, camouflage. So. Because um, like he he does make a reference to to punk rock and maybe wanting to see himself as progressive, you know, but it like really what it comes down to is uh, is white supremacy these ideas and these may these uh um preservation this preservation of uh, of existing power structures. So we left off at uh, Gavin McInnes, right? And um uh, that wasn't the right the right clip, and it would have taken me a while to find it because yeah, it comes up as in in advertisement but he he his slogan there is a uh, conservatism is the new punk rock oh god i wanted to get your your take on that because of um you know you know your musical preferences and uh <laughs> you know that's not inaccurate actually <laughs> yeah unfortunately um let's let's be honest about something about about punk um where punk really pushed envelopes and it does house a lot of extreme ideas, um, but punk also is and or was and is incredibly reactionary. Hmm. So um, it's it's all about like reacting to things in society and like kind of like taking on characteristics to I don't know to point it out or to like push against it. You know we see that in various like uh political eras where in punk like say there's a progressive in charge and then suddenly conservatism kind of peaks mm-hmm. um and like we're we're kind of in a strange situation where conservatism is the power right now mm-hmm. but because within the punk culture itself there's been a lot of like really left-leaning people and movements and bands there's like especially uh with the white male population involved in punk and hardcore and metal um, where they see that within the subculture like pushing against them pushing against what they feel is representative of them in society with you know a lot of the very right-wing ideas that are now governing the country um, where they're starting to like within the subculture uh, push those same ideas Mm -hmm. and so like the reaction is no longer against society, but the subculture itself. Like it's gotten to the point where the subculture is so large um, that they're being reactionary within their own scenes. That is so weird, man. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I I think back to the the Dead Kennedy um, Dead Kennedys. Um, there's like a live clip from them where they're performing uh, Nazi punks. Yeah. And, um, you know, before before they go into the song, they're like, if you're just like, you know, your your parents, which I guess, you know, is representative of the patriarchy. You know, if you're just like them, then what are you rebelling against? You know, exactly. and like, so how can you justify uh, like conservatism as being the new punk rock? Because know? your parents have entered centrist and left liberal politics. Yeah. And so being a right liberal, being a conservative is now not what they were <laughs> especially God, going really far right yeah <laughs> um but yeah it, i don't know <laughs> it's it sucks but it's also really funny damn if, yeah. if you're involved in these those scenes like it's like you're just like really like you're aware of like you've you listen to the same music i do you're aware of like these things within our subculture and you're still like I love Trump. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. But those elements have always been there. So. Yeah. It's it's really funny is because I've seen Nazis go to, like, Millions Dead Cop shows. Um, and you honestly would probably find a Nazi somewhere singing along to Nazi punks fuck off. <laughs> um, just yeah. like you will find also uh, black and uh, Hispanic folks and 
who listen to Screwdriver and wear Screwdriver shirts and uh, listen to like Nazi black metal and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, I I can't explain it. It yeah. exists. Um, I actually had a friend who was in a band with or tried to start a band with who he's a Jew, and he listened to Nazi music mm-hmm. like all the time and thought it was like really great music. And he's like, whatever, I don't care about the lyrics. I'm like, they literally want you to die. (laughs) (laughs) But whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah. And it's like um, how there's like Nazi hip hop and like all that stuff. I don't understand why it happens, (laughs) but it does. (laughs) But that is true. Like, honestly, there is kind of like this centrist, more specifically centrist Mm -hmm. uh, streak in punk right now. Um, that's coming out, especially with, like I said, white males. Um, and there is a really strong liberalism in punk rock too, um, left liberalism that still is friendly with the other forms of liberalism. So they're going to do things like say, we can't beat up Nazis because free speech. Um, you know, we can't suppress, uh, the free speech of genocidal idiotic maniacs Mm -hmm. because, of their love for liberalism, their love for American democracy, like those things, it's what they're going to support even though they don't agree. So there's a lot of that. So you'll end up with, um, say, a bunch of left liberals in a punk scene, and then there's like a few people that are like really like centrist or very like conservative, and they're allowed to just keep going, like to exist in that group because the liberals will say they should be able to exist in this group Mm. and it just kind of just proliferates from there. Mm. But, um, you know, that's, that's, I'm I'm not actually not going to disagree with Gavin McInnes, honestly, because I mean, it's just, it's how it's playing out. Like they're seen as rebels now. Yeah. Um, because yeah, because in the scene majority wise, people are not okay with a lot of things they're saying, or they just kind of disagree and just say, okay, you can be here. Mm hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's not inaccurate. Damn. Okay. Fine. But there's still strongholds. There's definitely still a ton of people, like I said, within the scene that are not cool with it, but we're talking about the new. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about the established. I see. (laughs) Interesting, man. See, the established punk rock wants to kill Gavin McInnes. Yeah, yeah. But the, the new is a bunch of like young white males that are like, well, why can't I? Yeah. (laughs) God damn it. All right. So, but yeah, that, that brought me back to actually, yeah, it comes full circle with what I, what they wanted, that, what I wanted to touch on. Oh wait. Yeah. Do you have time? 1204. All right. So really quick. Yeah. I just wanted to talk about like, um, the, um, the, the demographics, you know, as far as like, uh, militarization and military recruiting goes, Mm -hmm. I feel, and this is a hypothesis I've been dabbling around but um guam is a hotbed for white supremacy because um uh, military recruitment that goes on in the states is uh targeted at uh, lower socioeconomic classes and um you know especially in rural areas um undereducated um uh peoples um people who um maybe the only way to get out of their shitty um uh town is for them to join the navy and um hey lo and behold their first duty station is guam they know nothing about uh um about identity and uh native peoples um maybe their high school had like a native american name or some shit but you know they probably never saw a native american in their lives um and they they come here island paradise i watched moana that was my uh that was my indoctrination into this structure um and that happens again and again and again um and yeah i mean that, that that's what i think what do you think about that maybe you're gonna hate me because i disagree a little bit <laughs> yeah only a little bit okay so there's aspects of that i feel like uh white folks who don't have any contact with you know anybody but white americans and they come here with uh you know uh assumptions and presuppositions uh different ideas about what they should expect and they're met with you know 
all the complications of identity and uh, all the social issues that are here um, and with the complications of their own place within all of it and they're confronted with it and the reaction simply a lot of the time is like well if you don't like me then fuck you <laughs> mm -hmm. um, or if there's a problem with me being here then you know fuck you <laughs> like any of that yeah but um to be honest i really think that it exists not because of working class rural people um and and here's a big reason why is that um working class working class rural folks in my experience tend to approach life like hey i don't know mm. and so the idea is simply like tell me you know like a lot of a lot of working class white folks honestly especially rural like they will just let you talk and they will listen and even if they disagree they're going to talk to you about it um and it's it's because of uh just the idea like you know i came from nothing you know i you know i have limited experience i am experiencing things for the first time or i'm getting to know things that i didn't know and there's less pride and ego involved mm -hmm. um of course, there's exceptions to this, but my general experience is that. I see. The real problem I've experienced with is middle class um, and well-educated white folks. Oh. Who still choose to join the military. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, who also have limited experience with anybody who's not white Americans. Um, just as a side, um, it's statistically, white Americans do not spend time with people that are not white Americans. Um, there's uh, something like if you're a white American, go through your social media and count literally everyone that is not white. And even the most progressive white folks will only have about 25% of their social media being non-white folks. Um, and most white Americans fall somewhere around like 10%. Mm. So, um, so you could try that out for yourself if you are, you know, white and listening um you may be shocked or you may be like one of the outlier exceptions where you actually know a lot more people that aren't white yeah but anyway um yeah it's people that have privilege like really understand privilege have experienced it and they go into a situation expecting that same privilege um that's really where it's at especially when they think that they've earned their privilege off of merit mm -hmm. which is where um, in the military, you know, you don't rank up necessarily unless you've earned it. I mean, there are people that just go to school and then enter as officers, obviously, all that stuff. But rank is given a lot of merit, you know. Um, and so you have people with privilege that rank up. And honestly, let's also be honest about this too. People with more privilege, even with white folks, are the ones that are ranking up the most often. Mm -hmm. Um, they are the ones that are going to school and becoming officers and things like that right out the gate. You know, they're not grunts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they feel like they've earned things, though. You know, mm -hmm. they have the rank, gets merit. They've gone to school. You know, that earns merit. And so they really see themselves as kind of in a position of superiority. So that's already there. Mm. You know, that's, that feeling is already there. And they look out and they see people that don't have as much or they see people that uh, rely a lot on this American government that they serve, you know, yeah. and that they've helped build in their opinion because they're part of the military and they have merit. Mm -hmm. So they're going to see you as sucking off of their, yeah, their yeah, merit, yeah. Okay. you know. And I so you start now. to establish this complex like of the white superiority. Yeah. Especially it becomes white superiority when they become aware of the fact that they are white. It just speaks to uh, white fragility in talking about race. Most white people don't talk about race. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and when they do talk about it, it's with someone who's not white. And oftentimes it's very uncomfortable very very uncomfortable they don't like realizing that they're white they know they are but they don't like to talk about it mm. and so when they're put in a situation where they're made aware of their whiteness it just makes it that superiority and maybe they don't voice it as being white superiority because they know that that's going to be conceived as racist but they'll say things about being american like or being from the states or being you know having some sort of difference that 
will eventually equate to being white that makes them somehow superior mm. and and they'll they'll dance around that too like yeah. it's because they're educated it's because they've done this and that but it's what it comes down to yeah well thank you for that distinction man yeah no i needed that so yeah awesome well i i don't want to keep you from um from class you know? <laughs> you're giving me up <laughs> yeah i did um oh uh, yeah i did want to talk about like um like direct action oh yeah but especially because um all the the shenanigans with the um the protego texan protest mm -hmm. and like just you know the the opposition to that in in mainstream media um you know and obviously like uh some uh, government officials got arrested yeah and uh like some people just couldn't um couldn't conceive of that you know so I, I guess that that'll be a topic for another time. I guess. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, we'll just we could talk about activism in general. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Cool. Let's do it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, man. It's always fun to shoot the shit. Yep. In my living room. So <laughs> I mean the studio. Fuck studio. you. Studio. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, guys. All right. I'm gonna go back to my job as uh, governor of Guam. <laughs>